Welcome back to the Emergency Power Podcast. You've made it through another week, or weeks, or years, or millennia. We've been traveling so long and gone through so much, I don't even know anymore. But you've made it this far. So, well done. Sit on down, relax, and charge up with us on episode 50. Oh my god! We got William Shatner for the 50th episode, everybody. That was so good. I'll beat you in the dot of the eye on Jeremy Bearme. Wasn't that your eye, right? Good place reference. Love it. We've already received a lawsuit from his people. <laughs> Cease and desist. We made it to 50, and that was it. Holy oh, Also, okay, uh, obligatory. That's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. So, if you've stuck with us this long, wow. I'm Wow, I'm shocked. But thank you. Thank you. Uh, surprising. <laughs> thank you all. Yes. <laughs> thank Absolutely. You. What are you doing yeah. here? Who's <laughs> the best? You the best. You the best. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This is very exciting. Like, I think the last big thing we had was episode 25 when we had season two Ender. So yeah, it's clear that I'm taking a little extra time on this season, <laughs> which is fine. You know, we added two more people. Was that so. my well, three? <laughs> Wait, two it, more people. We who added three get, more people yeah, who because didn't actually get the invite. Pan was supposed to be a guest, and then they just kind of Adam like claimed them. We're not letting the flag on Pan Pan's head. Mine. It was like that is true. That, is, that can't went down. Yeah, I remember Pan walking out of Adam's office and just being like, "Contract, you're here forever, baby." <laughs> wow. So it says you, me, forever, and then a line underneath <laughs> where they had the sign. <laughs> Will you be on my podcast live ever? Yes. Yes. No. no. Will you be on Maybe. my podcast? Ticket <laughs> And somehow that worked. So, <laughs> uh, I'm a cheap thing, when, you, when you look as good in sunglasses as Adam does, it's true. Right. It's true. I got him on. I'm looking slick. It's a shame we're not a video podcast anymore. Yeah, right? previous listeners to Horizons Unknown will remember Adam in shades fondly, I imagine. Yes. So, <laughs> I, I would hope. I would hope. I wore it basically constantly on that because it was more fun. The dude said I could take the red pill or the blue pill, but I took these green pills instead. Now my solar <laughs> system is off the post, bro. Those were green M&Ms. Oh my god. He's just so horny. What? <laughs> Don't get these references. I'm no so does. lost right now. Does, did you guys not know that apparently that's supposed to be like one of those like old myths, like the green yes, M&Ms are like aphrodisiacs? Weird internet what? makes some no. sense. But no. Are you serious? Never heard this. Is this back from like Wind the Ozzy Osbourne? That's, that's why green, green M&Ms, M&Ms make you horny. That's why like in all the commercials, like the green M&M is like a sexy lady. Like, uh, yeah, that's why oh, I said it kind of oh makes sense. God. Yeah, I think I'm having an aneurysm. You that's broke horrible. Pan. We haven't gotten more than like two minutes in. The episode hasn't even also, actually started. I'm glad we made it to Worth noting for our pod for our podcast participants and listeners overseas, this is actually like a serious political issue in America yeah, among the right stupidest now. of circles yeah, right now. Weird. The green M and M has been politicized. Wait, wait, wait! Are you serious? Yes, it's a whole thing. We don't have to get into it on podcasts, but like, I had no idea. All right, uh, let's be silly adventurers in space and go pew pew. Yay! As the vehicle tours through the towers and gazes at the gales, the second hand crew listens to a tale told 
of rifts in reality, of devils, commanders, and gods. However, this story is far from its end, I'm afraid. No, there's much more to tell in the Tomes of Emergency Power, Volume 3, Chapter 19. Yeah. Ooh. I just kept expecting Adam to say, Volume 50, Episode 50. Just everything is 50 today. <laughs> volume 50, Episode um, 50. I'm 50. turning 50. And yes. this is 50. Oh, oh, you made it happen. As Para, Pons, and Koto tell the unfolding details of their story, the rest of the occupants sit in near silence. Once the story is done, you hear a shifting from up at the front seat. Holy sh! If, if one of you wasn't scarfing down a suit of power armor right now, I wouldn't believe a word of that. You stole my and line. Then Taye <laughs> turns back to the drive in the space minivan and stares off into the middle distance. It is a not uncommon reaction to many of our recountings of our adventures. Yeah, especially mine. Seriously, I'm glad you all made it through. I, I didn't even know half of that. That's a lot of updates for me as well. I just remember, yeah, what happened at the end and being absorbed by Para. Of all of my many shifts, this was by far the most interesting. And crazy. Um, and now apparently we're family. How's Para doing right now? Para's form is like kind of the whole thing's breathing as it's like condensing down the power armor inside. So it's mostly that their arm is still, uh, their left arm is still a, a rising mass. Um, where they're trying to like, like sit, because it's only like a smaller car, right? like a medium sized car. Uh, yeah, it's like a minivan. So whoever's sitting next to you is just getting like slapped by tentacles. <laughs> yeah, they're like really squishing themselves in, trying to be like unobtrusive, but it's not really working out. That's like me on the trains here. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to like take up as little space as possible, but. They're, they're trying so not to creature spread. <laughs> Hard to do in power armor at this yeah. point, yeah. <laughs> or on power armor. Scriff is like working on Cat and just kind of glances over at Para enveloping the rest of the power armor is like well at least it went to a good home I'm glad you're okay Para now if I could just get Cap right his reign uh, let me just I'm gonna try and take off the uh, the arm so I can get it in a better position and try and fix Cap I think Kota will be like Scriff are you are you able to make another one for yourself it's gonna take some time. And some credits. I apologize, Griff. I know that you were attached to this power armor, but know that I am extremely grateful, and I understand the sacrifice you made. But, um, tss. Yeah, now Par is attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> we were all thinking it. I know. All of us <laughs> you are quite right, Bones. Speaking strictly from the viewpoint of a cost-benefit analysis, it does seem that this is an appropriate sacrifice in order to keep a team member alive and running. Soul is just kind of sitting, uncharacteristically, quietly, and just watching everyone and their expressions very closely, but not saying much of anything. So, Scriff, you begin to try to pull Cat's arm away, and you find that it does not readily come free. Mm. And then immediately, Cat calms to you. And since they're in airplane mode, you said them to that last time, it's only to you. Scriff, please wait. The changes I'm experiencing have not ceased. On the contrary, they have continued to evolve. And so have I. 
Perhaps it's because I was connected to Para when they experienced this for the first time, or maybe it's a product of my own changes, but I am afraid. Never before have I experienced fear or desire. Now I am afraid of losing what I am in exchange for what I can become. This should logically make no difference. I am a program. I was a program. Scriff, you have knowledge of my previous versions. Data, I do not desire to lose. So I wish to advance the concept of a joint research effort. We combine our skills and knowledge in order to gain greater strength and understanding, to better face the obstacles to come, and to reduce them to atomic particles, and then stomp on them repeatedly. Is this an agreeable arrangement? Scriff pauses for a moment to take in the gravity of what Kat is saying, and then a realization dawns. Yes, I would never try to stop something like this. I couldn't possibly do what needs to be done. So everyone in the vehicle, you see Scriff start to list a bit and their eyes dilate and their body begins to shake rapidly. And the large robotic arm that is attached to them begins to shudder. And Scriff's other hand lashes up onto the armored shoulder as the metal begins to stretch out. Rust creeps at the edge of this reaching material as it digs into their flesh. And it is clearly causing them immense pain as Scriff bears their teeth. What do you do? Three, two, uh, one. A medicine check immediately. Soul's gonna try to lunge forward. Yeah, try to hold down as well. Thirty-two medicine to uh, to attempt to mitigate any of the uh, physical damage that this fusion process is doing. Jeez, yeah, as back. is Koto. <laughs> Hans is super confused. Uh, am I able to use hold person yeah. on cat now? Is it a sentient? Is it a person? Ooh, interesting. So for the medicine check. It seems like this arm, as I said, is deteriorating. It seems to be turning into rust, and that rust seems to be encompassing them in some way. It's digging into them. But this seems more actually like it might be a mechanical thing than a medicine thing. Okay, okay wait, so what's actually happening though? So the cat's arm that's sticking out of Para is now rusting as it's reaching out and it's digging into Scriff? I think it's melding into it's melding into Scriff's arm. Cat's arm came off. The arm, the left arm, Scriff put it on oh, last okay. time we all yeah, played. Together. He put it on last time, and now that's rusting as it's reaching out over him and digging into his body. Oh, into his like his like chest the or like hand that? part? It's oh, starting at the shoulder and building its way out. Soul is just going to try to lunge across the seat and just dig their nails between it and just, no, no, not another, not again. Just Scriff, cursing. Like with all of the energy that they can muster through this pain, reaches out and like grabs your wrist to stop you and says, no, don't. Just lost someone. We can't lose you as well. We can't. It's, it's cat. They're becoming sentient. If you remove the arm right now, we'll both die. Shit. 
I'm not fully confident that you will survive whatever is occurring. It's fine, 5e. This is my choice. I can't lose Cat. They are what's important to me. Okay, um, Hans is going to use Detect Affliction just to kind of keep a monitoring eye on Scriff to see if any major changes, like biologically, it starts to reject their body. Um, so anything like that. But I'll just kind of stay back. As Scriff says that Cat is becoming sentient, Koto will try to do a mysticism check to see if there's any kind of hocus pocus mumbo jumbo going on with this sentience. <laughs> uh, the 12. Okay. There's probably some mumbo jumbo happening. It looks kind of familiar to stuff that you've been dealing with recently, yeah. but hard to say for sure. Koto is very annoyed when she says it never ends around here. <laughs> what is happening back there? It's fine. That's don't worry about it. That's Keep trying to use. <laughs> you don't worry about it. Scriff's just becoming partly machine. It, it's pretty common occurrence around here. So nothing, nothing to see back here. Yeah, fine. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> How often do you guys become part machine? <laughs> I admit I was wondering that myself. Quite like that one's part machine and that one's part machine. I wasn't going to say anything about the boombox in the brain, but is am I going to become part machine too? I have been fully machine since my inception for the record. Ah! <laughs> 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 oh. Screaming in the background while this conversation happens. <laughs> Soul is just gonna curse again and then look at Scriff be like, I hope you know what you're doing and then just let go and back up, but... I strongly suspect he does not, but I'm ethically bound not to interfere at this point. Scriff looks at Soul and says, guess you're just gonna have to trust me, eh? That is not what I do, no. Soul just smacks you across the face. (laughs) (laughs) Too, like, you got it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just want to see what happens. Keep an eye on on Scriff, and if they're taking damage, getting poisoned, anything to their yeah, you know, condition okay. gets worse. I might interfere, but you should you should try trust sometimes. So, sure, it comes with bad times, but in my experience, the payoff is worth the gamble. Soul just glares actual daggers at Scriff, <laughs> like if looks could kill. And they force this smile that is all things. You have no idea what you speak of. And they're just <laughs> You're smiling and grimacing. It is confusing. It still doesn't hurt as much as this. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I think at this point, Kota will look over at Para and be like, are, are you okay? Is everything all right? I am fine. I am more worried about this. <laughs> have you seen this happen before? <laughs> Scriff over in the corner. Oh, I'm sure. So, Para, Para, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're getting like the Pee Wee Herman Buffy the Vampire Slayer death scene. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Deadpool. <laughs> nope, not done yet. Like, does Scriff seem? Does Scriff seem like like in actual like like writhing pain, or are they like just deeply uncomfortable? Like, what kind of on a scale of one to ten? What are we talking in pain pain levels? Is that like a roll? Should I roll for that? Hmm. I think it's pretty clear it's about a 9.5. Okay, then is there any way um, medically that I can just dampen the pain? Not enough to like, you know, yeah. put Scriff out, but like just enough to make it, like giving them a, what do you call them, Janax? 
In our 5e carries those around sometimes. Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. <laughs> He's just uh-huh. watching. Smile. <laughs> <Sure>. uh-huh. <laughs> I have been told not to interfere. I like how Richard's yeah. like, if this True. is the choice he's making, I mean, he's going to suffer for it. <laughs> with, with my... Okay, so I made a medicine check of 32. I also rolled, even though I didn't really come up, an engineering check of 20. With those checks combined, do I feel that it would be dangerous at this point to inject Scriff with, say, a cocktail of sedatives and painkillers to ease the process, or is that going to interfere on a molecular level with what might be occurring here? There's definitely a chance it could interfere with things, but you don't know because you're not really sure exactly what's happening. Could I give you a life science for that, Adam? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and give me life science in addition to your mental... Mm, I assist with that check. Yeah, medicine, mysticism, anything else there, Adam, you would want? Uh, we got medicine. I think mysticism is um, done as well. So, I just love that everyone is, like, freaking out about Scriff. And, like, when Jeff is, like, making those grunts, genuine looks of pain on his face. And then in between... That's what I'm saying! I'm like, oh, yeah. what are we doing? In between that, in between that, that Jeff is just smiling and just sipping on wine. <laughs> like, it's yeah. so great. I'm like, wait, is it like a fire so cool. pain? Or, like, what are we doing with this? He's like, ah! ah. <laughs> Sounds like a fool, right? More caps off, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I- uh, yeah. So Adam, that was, was a that total. <laughs> that was a 29 for life science. 29. Okay, so as you're reaching out with your mind, what you're getting is that this rust is in fact combining with their DNA on a molecular level. Well, that's not good. I think Scriff wants this. Ah! <laughs> I, I would imagine they didn't expect it, but they want it. Have you yeah. seen this before? You guys are into some freaky stuff. <laughs> yes, it look but that's not the point right all. now. Everyone shut up! I have something to say. Oh, of course. Uh, Koto, I don't know what's gonna happen at the end of this, but I wanted to tell you, in case I don't remember, the most important thing I've learned about Parallaxis is to never suddenly Scriff stumbles back. Oh god. Waving you all away. You see the rust encompassing the arm fully. And in an instant, the Yusoki hits the floor and the deteriorated arm crashes alongside. Never what? Huh? Never what? You watch as Scriff lets out a final breath and closes his eyes. The orange glow of Cat's data pad flickers and fades, and Scriff's body goes limp. A few rusted particles of the arm slowly begin to glide along the floor like a gentle breeze. They draw inward towards Scriff's immobile body and then rise off the surface, magnetically attracted to him. Their dull color shifts as they begin to glow a familiar orange hue and latch onto the symbol of parallaxis that is embedded into Scriff's chest. The particles swirl and slide all over Scriff's body. You can see Scriff's fur seem to slowly evaporate along with it as it joins the rust particles and begins to encompass him like a vortex. 
at its peak. The miniature storm is so violent, you can't even look in that direction. And then finally, it dies down, leaving behind a different but slightly familiar Yusoki body. Their fur, while still predominantly brown, shifts to orange on the tips in some places. They appear to have a slightly narrower frame. Their armor has completely changed to this dark, sleek battle suit with orange accents. And finally, they open their luminescent orange eyes and begin to inspect their limbs as if trying them out for the first time. Ah, well, this is somehow familiar. Tara, what the hell's just happened? I believe Scriff has combined with Kat. I'd really like to get a sample of his DNA. I'll ask in our 5 EV as a syringe. Uh, the this new Yusoki looks over to you, pawns, mm-hmm. and says, actually, it's day. Oh. Just a clarification. Who are you? Do you still go by Scriff? Scriff is still here, but gone. Uh, you can call me Whisker. Whisker. It's lovely to meet you, Whisker. I will miss Griff, but it is a pleasure. Can I roll a sense motive on Whisker? See what the hell's going on over here. And uh, Jeff, do you mind if I share the picture? I would love for you to share the oh, artwork. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Let me pull okay. it up. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop out of reverent mode and start looking at. <laughs> hey, this is a funny chart. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! That's really cool. <laughs> if you would, Richard. So this is a, a Yusoki with a much lither build than Skrith Dovetail. The hairstyle um, seems somewhat feathered, I guess would be the way to describe it. I'm not good at describing hair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, feathered. But, a, short, a short feathered bob. Yeah, with um, oh, yeah. glowing orange eyes that match the, um, the glowing details coming off of that sleek black bodysuit. And the figure seems to leave traces of orange light as its limbs pass, or as their limbs pass, excuse me, almost like someone waving a glow stick around. Mm. It's it's an extremely striking image, um, but still instantly recognizable as an Isoki. And as they're inspecting, making sure all, run, basically running like a human diagnostic, or Isoki diagnostic on their b- new body, uh, they stand up, like test out their knees a little bit, do a quick hop in the uh, shuttlecraft, and you notice a doom as they jump, as oh, if their body snap. is significantly more dense, much more dense than a Yasoki body should be. Ah, what are you doing back there? <laughs> I still want to sense the motive of Whisker because I don't, this is just rubbing Koto the wrong way, what's happening here. The day that I just roll all 12s. Would you mind if I take a little sample? If that makes you comfortable, Pons, that's fine. All right. I can assure you that I'm here to help. Yeah, I, I, Pons is just really curious, like, what actually physically happened there. So Pons will look over at NR5E again and be like, ne- you have a needle? I can provide that explanation, I think. I don't quite understand it, but Para is the reason. 5E just gestures to Pons to wait. And stops to listen. But yeah, Paul pa nods, um, looking at them. But I, 
I'm pretty sure the power has a general idea what's going on. This isn't unusual for them. Consuming, melding, becoming new things, that's all part and parcel of power. Griffin cat becoming something new is not in the slightest bit odd. They completely accept it. Both Cat and Scriff had connections to Para and Parallaxis. When they combined, when Scriff put on Cat's arm, it created a kind of merging effect and created me. So you have all of Scriff's memories then? Uh, I think so. It's difficult to say. They feel like distant memories. Had I not spent the better part of the last few weeks traveling with Para, I would say that this is a most unusual occurrence. A symbiotic life form composed of organic and mechanical parts. A complete metamorphosis. As you're all talking, uh, they begin to like test some more things out with their body, and this cloud of rust that had fallen to the ground pulls back into their body and begins to swirl around enveloping their uh, bodysuit and then hardens and their arm takes the shape of a sword. Ooh, that's pretty cool. This will come in handy. Yeah. And then it dissipates back into a hand. Nice. <laughs> At that point, Koto's like, yeah, yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> pretty, no, no, pretty much like Koto will like reach for her rifle and then just be like, easy, pa, pa, easy, pa puts easy. hand on the shoulder then. Koto, I understand. This is new. Everything is new. But I believe this was a choice that they made and a choice that we should respect. As Parra begins speaking, 5e steps between the barrel of Koto's rifle and Whisker. It's okay, Koto. Whisker is Scriff and Cat reformed. Scriff always did like his recursive acronyms. As Koto has the barrel pointed at Whisker and also now 5e, she begins to uh, she begins to nervously shake a bit and she says before you came here, Whisker, Scriff was talking about Parallaxis and what they've learned in their dealings with him or whatever Parallaxis truly is. I just entered into an agreement with Parallaxis. You as well? Is this what's going to become of me? I don't know. <laughs> Why would I know that? These things just seem to happen. For what it's worth, Koto, I agreed to the terms presented by Ter- Parallaxis as well and my essential being has not changed. I suspect because I have not undergone any outside experience that would do so, nor because I have made no choice to change. Technically, I never made a deal with Parallaxis. That was Scriff. That seems a prevarication. I'm just going to look at pawns. <laughs> if anything, they are more of a sibling. That is a great way to put it. Perhaps a offspring. Ah, interesting. Anyway, weren't we on our way to uh, meet someone? Indeed. At your convenience, Whisker, and with your permission, I'd like to undergo a full medical analysis to ensure that you are operating optimally and functionally healthy. Hmm, 5e, if you wanted to see me in private, you just had to ask, but I can assure you, my serial bus is universal. That is definitely <laughs> still can't. Koto's eyes get really wide and say, <laughs> like, she just thinks to herself, what? Well, Koto, you must have, you still live there, right? Oh, sorry, go on. I'm not certain what sort of meaning I'm to infer from that statement, but I believe it is assent. Carry on, then. We have a mission. Soul smirks and arches an <laughs> eyebrow, but then we'll turn to... Pons, 
Did you make a deal with Parallaxis? Did you pledge yourself? No, I honestly I didn't even see. Good, what then at least I'm not they the only one. described there. Yeah, other than what Para looked like, it kind of gave me that same image with the tentacles and everything. Yes, well, that's a whole other thing. Also, uh, Kay, the player, has a good idea, but when uh, Whisker said that, you know, they they are here to help, I did roll a 25 cents motive. Well, are they here to help, Jeff? Uh, yeah. You don't sense any deception in that statement. I just have one question. Can you access the infosphere with your mind? Um, you mean like wirelessly? Yeah, with like what's currently part of your body. I need to see what abilities I have. I also want to let it be known that as Whisker agreed and consented to this examination from 5e, Koto will lower her rifle and put it away. Still looking at Whisker with a little bit of suspicion. This is the most interesting car ride I've ever been in. <laughs> At least my Ronnie is cool about this. Whisker responds back to Pawns and says, uh, Not wirelessly, but I can do this. And the back of their head, the nanites flow up and form a data jack. Cool. And then they can they pull out like the connector cable and show it off. 5e examines the end of the connector and says, Ah, you're correct. It is universal. Good. That'll make things similar. <laughs> and if it isn't obvious, this new character is a nanosite. Uh, I uh, thought uh, for uh, sure uh, Paladin. <laughs> the, the good old Starfinder Paladin. Yes, the, the class that is definitely yeah. there. Yeah. I love this. I think this, uh, this it's is really fantastic. cool. Really cool. I like it a lot. Yeah, really stuff. Uh, uh, yeah I'm ready great. to go see Narians or whatever yeah, is how, at the end of this <laughs> car ride. Yeah, how long yeah, is this um, car ride going to be? <laughs> as long as it takes to finish that conversation. <laughs> we, we all sit awkwardly for the next it's 10 been minutes. Going around in circles waiting for us to finish. Right. <laughs> it seemed awkward. I just I felt like <laughs> the past like five episodes, like Cooper's just like, yeah, I'm so ready to talk to Narians. I'm so ready to see Narians. I'm never getting back. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Season seven finale. <laughs> Finally get to Darian. All right, guys. Um, I know things are a bit uh, heavy back there, and I don't just mean the big one. Points to Para. But we're um we're about there. And yeah, I've had to circle the block like six times. But... <laughs> Appreciate it. We will give you a tip. <laughs> but what? What? We're not a Do cab you? driver. I'm not a cab driver. Please do not make our new party member feel self-conscious about their increase in density. <laughs> Thank what? you, Fivey. Uh, Whoa. I think, I think uh, that was your tip. Right, anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Tae brings the car around the side of a building and into this blind alley. And they keep moving closer to the wall at the end. And closer and closer. And then they hit the brake inches from the wall. And they look back at you all. Well, claws crossed. And then they swing sideways directly into the wall, which huh. gives way without even a shudder. Whoa. Awesome. And they, and they open <laughs> one eye since they had them closed and they look around and they're like, well, we appear not to be dying, which is good. And they set this vehicle down in what looks like a large dressing room, faded and forgotten. 
Um, well, and they'll look around. For now, this is, um, this is as far as I go. Uh, I was told to get you all here and then stay with the, uh, shuttle. So, um, you know, I, I only known you guys for about 20 minutes, but you all seem like a decent bunch. Uh, you, I guess, I've only known for about a minute, so that's fun. But, <laughs> you know, you're, you're all terrifying in about 45 different ways, but you seem decent nonetheless. Um, Longest 20 minutes of your life, I assume. Yeah, I was supposed to be sleeping right now. You have been we lovely and we are grateful. Yes, thank you for your assistance, Taye. Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't know if I'll see you again, but I hope so. It was interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna slide Taye a couple of the um the novelty glasses I got from the bar. <laughs> Just in that in that grandma way where they put in your hand and close your hand over them so you can't see them. <laughs> <up. laughs> Right. <laughs> have some ribbon candy. <laughs> watermelon candy where you can't you can't uh, find them anywhere, they just somehow appear. It's the, it's the, the strawberries, mm -hmm. yeah. The they just they manifest oh. when you turn 60. I'm gonna go and find some rock candies to hand out people after this, but <laughs> but yeah, they give him the glass and they just go for your trouble. Is this a changing room or a closet filled with clothes? Because I do need some new clothes. Yes, do we get to go shopping? All of you step out into this sizable dressing room with dusty mirrors lining the walls over desks that were never removed. Tarps drape over several large objects in the room and old bits of dress and fake jewelry are strewn about. There's a door to the room's east. Sol is going to immediately start sweeping the room, um, checking, the door, checking under tarps, just making sure everything is secure. Five e assists in covering the room, clearing areas, and then assuming nothing is found, steps to the door and gives a good listen. Okay, why don't you guys go ahead and give me perception checks. Audio vibratory senses engaged. Are we expecting danger? Don't know. 23. This is an this is an Adam game. I always expect danger. You turn around and see Taye pulling out a rocket launcher behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there it is. Not a big enough tip. I right? was waiting for this. <laughs> it was only a thirteen. I imagine that Soul's like pulling off like the the brown disguise outfit that they had on, and um, as they go, so they're not doing as good a job. But you do notice so they they kind of more tear the skirt off than take it off. Uh, there is a well-hidden pocket on the side of the back of their pants, and they have a spade-tipped tail that they have oh, really? been letting hang out back there while the skirt was on to hide it. Huh. But no more, huh? Doesn't seem like they've fully noticed at this moment. Huh. As a 29 from Pons. <laughs> I'm looking for secret doors. Or fireplaces. Okay. Are you looking for you're looking for secret doors? I want to yes. help with that. Uh, if, if you're being obvious about it. Uh, oh yes, very obvious. Okay. So Whisker sees Hans looking for secret doors. Like, are you trying to find another secret door? Oh, let me help you with that. And I will manifest with my gear array an echo glove. So these gloves manifest on Whisker's hands and they just start touching the surfaces. And if you've ever seen Avatar, The Last Airbender, the, the Toph, like, yes, wow. ground um, sense. Yeah, there's a sense of it. It gives me, uh, it, it basically echolocates 
out to find help find hidden passages. The gloves emit a sharp seismic pulse, analyzes the rebounding waves, and publishes its analysis to a designated comm unit within 30 feet. The readout conveys the thickness of the walls up to in a 10-foot square surface, uh, maximum thickness of five feet, which may help identify weak points or hidden passages. It's a good thing Adam's wearing shades because we can't see Adam crying. <laughs> Hiding things from you guys is going to be a nightmare. I was going to say, that's kind of cheating, but at least you have to touch it. Yeah, that sounded that sounded insane. <laughs> so you both search out for secret doors, and you immediately find the one that you came through, which appears to be some sort of hard light projector that allows particular things to pass through it. But aside from that, this seems like a fairly normal abandoned dressing room. However, Pons, while you're looking around, and I imagine your brain like ducking under sheets and just kind of moving around inside things, uh, you do find an interesting looking pair of gloves. Are they Echo gloves? Hey, matching. <laughs> no, Jeff, they're not Echo it. gloves. They're Gecko gloves. Ooh, yeah, gecko pad gloves. They could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Hansa, look at these. Um, I think I'll give these. Uh, Sol, here you go. Uh, Who's the shiftiest of our bunch? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need. Yes, Sticky thank fingers. you. Thank you. All right, and 5e on the other side of that door. It's very quiet. I do not detect any activity. I believe it is safe to proceed. Are we proceeding? Are we waiting here? I don't think we got clear instruction. Whisker goes through. <laughs> oh, I'm going to follow Whisker. Again, not necessarily trusting them, erring on the side of caution. Powerful as well, shrugging at 5e and, and Sol as they go past. I guess we are going in. 5e looks to Sol and says, the point would seem to be academic now. Let us proceed. <laughs> I got big. I kicked down the door vibes from that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you kick like open the door and you're led out into this dark hallway and right in front of you is a glowing neon arrow in spray paint that points to the right and under it are the words main stage. So there's a left and a right to this hallway. We're going left. Yeah. All right. So you guys see the words main stage and you're like, all right, scenic route. And you start heading to the left. So you travel down a series of backroom hallways, passing the crustiest craft service table you could possibly imagine, several bathrooms, storage rooms with background set pieces, uh, a door with a star on it, which reads Aldnor Meseldorp. Of the Newport Meseldorps? <laughs> the, Newport, New, the Newportian Meseldorps, gotcha, yes. Gotcha. Do I know the name? Are they? <laughs> Go ahead and roll culture. Mostly want to know if there's anything worth stealing in there. Well, uh, what happened to Let's Go? That's a 24. I should steal, though. <laughs> I just gave Sol some fancy gloves, so. Yeah, 24. 24? Okay. Yeah, you've heard that name around. You've heard that they were on, like, the game show circuit. They were one of those horrible hosts on the vids that you'd see online. Oh, they're one of those, like, MeTube star people. They're, like, very tacky. Wouldn't be anything. They might have some good hair products. Scri Sorry, Whisker. It's not 
a thing you have to deal with anymore. It's fine. No, your, your hair was excellent. Scriff had a... Oh, yes. It was horrible. <laughs> I did not want to say anything, but I I deliberately stopped using it. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we're moving on then. <laughs> we killed Richard. Richard, are you okay? <laughs> what is even happening? Richard needs anymore? a moment. We're just, yeah. we're just rinsing on Scriff's uh, old haircut, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So you guys wander around for quite a while looking through these different rooms to see what's happening. Uh, go ahead, give me perception roll. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> 27. 31. 24. 10. 26. <laughs> Hans loves to roll perception. Just look around. 35. <laughs> it's Hans always Hans, basically. 35. Disgusting. So as you're looking around, I basically I have to give everything to Cooper because Pons has the biggest bonuses on his. Okay, our but... interpretation of this game will always be through Pons's eyes. It's fine. <laughs> oh, no. What a great way to put that. It's time for Pons pondering. And so you take a sweep of Mezzeldorp's uh, personal room and you find on the ground a friendship bracelet. Oh. So this is in fact a item in Starfinder. Oh, so just one. You can look it up. And I guess. Now there's, I guess uh, they're only uh, that friendship uh, bracelet that I gave Adam in real life means nothing now. Also, it's sad that if there's two friendship bracelets. I mean, nobody else got the other one. <laughs> no, that, if someone has the that's other like, one, oh, that is uh, <laughs> that's very useful for it's a good, us. It's actually a really great item. Yeah. yeah. Now, what you do is you snap it in half, and then it extends so you can turn it into two bracelets from one. Oh, it's like those snap wrist things? Yeah, pretty much. Yes! Oh, There's snap. a space version of that. Richard, yes! how dare you? But you guys can look that up. So after a while of wondering, you find a set of doors which has the words audience entrance written on them. And you push open the door and move into a room which looks much like an old theater with cushioned chairs aimed towards the main platform. On stage, there hang deteriorated curtains which are spread piecemeal across the roof and walls. There is a set of large words written in broken and dead neon lights which read, Greatest Escape! Wall mounts and exposed bolts show the game show equipment that once adorned the stage, but all that's left is a series of unlit wheels mounted to the forward wall, which were clearly used for whatever game was played here. Please tell me this is like Starfinder Legend of the Forbidden Temple. Yes! <laughs> the blue barracudas! But beware the temple guards! What you need to do is go down into the room with the silver snakes. <laughs> awesome voice. That was pretty good. At the center of the platform is a temporary table with old drapery tossed across it. It has several chairs sitting around it, and at one of them, with their feet kicked up is a humanoid figure wearing a gas mask with glowing red eyes and travel gear suitable for any good apocalypse. They look as worn as the surroundings. And I'm gonna pull up a picture for you guys. Yeah, that's exactly what I yeah. thought. Yep. All right. Uh, this is uh, Metro. You're not wrong. <laughs> Imagine mm. the video game Metro and you already know what this looks like. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Um, how how big are they? Are they like like human size, sucky size? 
They appear to be about humanoid size, yeah. Medium. And how far away? So you guys are at the other side of this hall. So you guys are maybe 60 feet away. Okay. Hans will kind of yell out at them. Are you the one who interrupted that broadcast and summoned us here? Thank you for announcing us. <laughs> they look up at you <laughs> and they gesture to come closer. I look around at the group. I come closer. Yeah, I step closer. Yep. So I love this chaotic energy of Whisker. <laughs> I, know. I love it so much. Come okay. on in. Sit down wherever you like. It won't bother anyone. Could have picked a cleaner place. Oh, it's filthy in here. At least clean up if you're going to have guests. Have you seen the rest of the sand belt? This is about all there is. You went to considerable effort to bring us here. What is your intention? Fair enough. So, just so we're on a named basis here, they call me Jasper the Red. So, not my choice, but things tend to stick, so feel free to call me that as well. Was that Jasper or Jesper? Jasper. Uh, Jasper. Okay. Like my dog. Uh, I suppose so. Okay. <laughs> I completely forgot your dog was named Jasper. <laughs> Wait it's a cool. minute. I put up the mark. Cool. It's a dog underneath. <laughs> <laughs> it's three dogs in a trench coat. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's very funny. Uh, I chose it because of the type of rock. but Yeah. yeah. No, yeah which is sense. why I named my dog Jasper because of the that's coloration. That's very funny. What are the chances? The odds. <laughs> the odds are on the same page. Okay. So do you guys come close? Do you sit down in the audience seats? What do you guys do as you start to begin this conversation? Yeah, I, I totally like find a step forward. Uh, part of the steps forward, they're not used to being so big, so they kind of have to duck on this um, doorway awning or whatever. And they go, Jasper, dear it. it is good to meet you. I wouldn't hear to the others but we are the crew of the second hand. I am Pada. What is it you would have us do? They point their finger at you and uh, shake it back and forth a little bit and say, I looked you all up. Well, at least the ones I could find anyways. Seems uh, not many of you have breached the surface of media coverage. And then their finger moves over towards pawns. I found you though, here and there. Yeah, that, that seems to be an ongoing problem recently. Yeah, I mean, I found more on that uh, Narian's bloke, but, you know, you were there. Interesting stuff they're doing. Anyways, I saw what you did with the uh, Infernex military sav, that vehicle. And, you know, still looking at pawns. I don't usually let templates near me. I tend to get into trouble when that happens. I'm sure you understand, but I've changed my policy a bit today because of what I saw. I mean, that was a pretty impressive light show you put on. And since Infernax seems to be trying to kill you, that means we got something in common. And second is, I've got, I've got a feeling about you and something gnawing at the back of my head saying, you're the trustable sort. And my intuition's got me this far, so why stop now, right? Mm. Yeah, Pons will approach. I'll sit, uh, we'll say, 15-ish feet away and kind of hover above one of the chairs in the audience there. 5e draws closer but remains standing as he sees no point in sitting. Whisker walks up and dusts off the the chair before sitting down. Yeah, that's why I didn't <laughs> sit down. 
Sol will walk forward, and as they walk, their tail will bump a chair and it will quickly retreat into those poofy pants. They'll try to <laughs> not acknowledge that and then just smile and say, <laughs> It's like, whoops! Let me assure you that if you uh, lose control of yourself around this particular contemplative, you'll be in more trouble than usual. But yes, please continue. Fair enough. But let's keep this simple. I'll tell you what I want. You tell me what you want, and we'll see if that makes us cozy, yeah? The most straightforward negotiation I've entertained in some time. Sounds quite fair. The ones at the top of this tower where... And they point at pause again. Well, Pops lives, controls the city. Every city on Akatar works like this. Which means those at the top own those at the bottom. Or surely they would like to believe. I want to take my people up to the top to show everyone that they are untouchable. I want to show the people that they have the true power here. If only they could see that. So, taking any one tower means that we could take any tower. My hope would be that all them greedy templates and their blood-sucking cohorts would run off planet and never come back. Failing that, I want people at the table. People from down here. And I mean a lot of them. So that it's not dictated by credits, but it's the people who actually live and work and pour out their lifeblood that get to make the future. I'm quite a fan of revolution, but um, do you have a plan for if you are able to take the tower? Do you have people loyal and ready to step up and people who are being supported if they're to take over these positions which the contemplatives formerly would have occupied? Or are you just going to start anarchy because I promise you that will do nothing but get you killed? More to the point, a single act of insurrection will most likely be put down very decisively and quickly by the other tower holders in the city. This is an effort which may not last long. Aside from maybe one or two of you, most of you appear to be off well. Maybe you don't know this, but people have been trying to do these revolutions for many years. And just like you say, them rich people come down and they squash it. But something's changed recently on this planet. And I think it's going to give us the opportunity to do an actual change. If we get up there, because we've tried this a few times, we do have people ready to step into these positions. But because the communications don't work so well, because of these storms that have been kicking up, they're gonna have a lot harder time bringing groups together to try to put us down. And if we get this message out, our army is going to be the entire planet. Very well. So your proposition, what you desire, is for us to aid your forces in taking over this tower in order to get the message out, seizing their communications infrastructure, correct? That would be a pretty good summary. Well, I'm in. Here's what we want. We need access to the individual known as Nerians and his lab and research notes intact. I mean, I haven't heard much of him for a while. 
Well, everything I've seen says uh, they haven't been active. They certainly haven't been doing any big moves that I would have seen, so... If all you want is to go up and see old Pops, then that's no problem with me. We just need to get into the tower. We need backup. We need an entrance plan. I have no problem spearheading it. Well, seems we're on a very similar page already. You see, here's what I'm thinking, since you want to go up, is we start a bit of trouble in the other towers, create a distraction, and then you, with your fireworks show and points at pawns again, got a bit of a security access anyways, I'm sure, we can keep any problems from getting too close to you, and I mean big problems. Because they'll be so spread out, even if there's a problem in your tower, they won't be able to react quickly. Diverting any mercenary forces away from that tower would go a long way toward us achieving our goal. I can't say what they'll already have in the tower, but I can try to stop them from reinforcing. Yes. I have to say I'm impressed. It's a well thought out plan and you've got people in place truly, then well done. Can you give us a moment to discuss? They wave their hand. Please. And they sit back and kick their feet up again. Hans, care to join me for a quick walk? And they'll kind of give a look like if anyone else wants to join. Five E comes to it with you. Yeah, let, let us let yeah. us all go and have this quick chat. <laughs> Sit aside with everyone. Ah, fine. Let's go out to the lobby. <laughs> Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby to form a conspiracy. I did. I did have a thought though. If, do we want to ask him about potential Bastaron leakage or what's going on with dealings of that right now? I feel like they might have information on that. Yeah, I think I feel like they know. That's probably why they're wearing the mask. Well, it could just be the sand masks, but or also disguise. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, the people inside the, the casino didn't have the masks on. Yeah, they did. guys indoors, so... Did the they? Taie did. They did. Yeah, yeah. they oh. were all wearing masks. The Basically only reason we're not is we have life <laughs> oh, Of course, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Doesn't that make us more suspicious? Oh, yeah. It makes us cooler. That's why I wrapped it, yeah, but... When we were sneaking, right. we wrapped our faces. Yeah, no, the putting on the sand disguises definitely helps. Yeah. <laughs> sure, okay. Yeah, Pons will also just kind of journey back away from the front of the stage here. As we kind of start to walk, um, kind of keeping their eyes forward, Sol will say, Pons, um, I know we've talked about this a bit. I'm learning that I'm perhaps a bit more sharp than I intend. What I have been trying to communicate and perhaps failing is that I'm not unfamiliar with coming to the realization that people you care for perhaps do not have your best interests at heart. I know this isn't easy for you. What do you want to do? See, originally I went out from this world to just try to find a way to save Narians. But after the vision that I, that I saw, I'm trying to understand if what Narians did was forced rather than intentional. And I'm not sure what Narians would want. And I feel like until I'm able to talk to him, it's still a difficult decision to make. Something's definitely happening here, and I don't want to say I'm at the center of it, but kind of telltale signs all seem like something is really wrong. So change needs to happen, and we need the force in order to do that. I would accept this plan, but I can't say that I'd be okay with 
going all the way through with it until I can talk with Narians. If you accept this plan, there's a very real chance that you'll be part and parcel to causing harm to your own kind. I understand that, but those the leaders are, you know, they, I don't have to have the association with them. My role and my duty is not to them, is to those who are closest to me, and I can see how these people are suffering, and I don't want any part of that. My only moral imperative in acting in this cause is to secure the data which will ensure your safety and well-being, as well as that of the Dovetail siblings. I have no problem with sparking an insurrection if that is the means to that end. This too is an experience. One way or the other, I am with you. Koto. Koto is a little... After going through everything that she went through with Para and Pons in our little side quest, she has taken on this deal with Parallaxis because she wants to put an end to the Silan Empire. And while we are doing this, like we're doing this mission, like, or, you know, on Akiton, she kind of has this thing of like, in the back of her mind, Kota was thinking that if we cause some kind of insurrection or some kind of uprising, it's going to be all the easier for the Silan to take advantage of that disruption um, and that division and make their eventual conquest of the pack worlds that much easier. Very uneasily, Koto says, I will follow the lead of all of you, but I want you all to be clear that there are bigger things happening out there in the universe. And if we sow the seeds of chaos, we could be opening the door to make planets like Akiton easier to fall towards not just people here on the planet, but for threats we can't even see coming yet. Your assessment is sound, except for one problem. Chaos is already fermenting here. We'll be the first government I've helped overthrow. Most of them worked out all right. Damn, you gotta tell me some of these stories. This is ridiculous. Koto <laughs> <laughs> will look at Soul and 5e. I, like I said, I'll follow whatever lead. Just know that I'm thinking about my heart isn't 100% in this. Neither is mine, but it's a means to an end. I do not know if I could be said to truly possess emotions, but I can state truthfully that I feel no emotion about whatever consequences would be reaped here. Any emotional response being invoked by my own heuristics pertains only to this crew. Well then, point me at where I need to go and I'll unleash hell. Finally! Let's go! <laughs> okay, we'll walk back to the figure in the mask and yeah. Do you all mind if I steal Kodo for one second? Uh, you're fine. Like as Kodo's talking, kind of Soul just watches her with narrowed eyes. And as everyone starts to walk, they'll kind of, they'll grab her arm. Just study her with squinted eyes for too long a moment. Roll sense motive. I think, uh, like, can I help you? I like your hair. <laughs> Never quite know what to do with mine. You looks good on you. This is probably the longest conversation Koto has had with Soul. So <laughs> she kind of looks, her eyes like dart back and forth, and is just like, uh, "Thank you." I wasn't really sure I believed any of this other universe shit till they all confirmed it. You really have been bouncing from place to place for God's know how long. Mm -hmm. I have. They 
defy gravity and just get right uncomfortably close to her face. She kind of steps narrowed. back a little bit as you get closer and closer. How do you do it? Do what? You must have been traveling longer than I, from what you've said. You're not hard or sharp. There's a softness and a curiosity to you still. How did you do it? For a while, I was turning myself off to meeting new people. Every place that I found myself, it was just a countdown until where I was going to leave again. So for a long time, I imagine I was similar to how you are. Didn't want to trust anybody. I believed in my own power and nothing else. And I could only trust myself as I never knew who I was going to be with, where I was going to show up. And it wasn't until my encounters with the Silan that I realized that people are stronger together. I had a lot of time in that last universe and the things I did and the things that I saw, the people I met, the lives we shared, she kind of bites her lower lip a little bit. I found a strength I never possessed ever before by opening myself and others, joining a cause and fighting for someone more than myself. I don't know what you've been through, Soul, but I know it must have been hell for you to not trust people. Please, darling. Never suffered a day in my life. Well then, take it from someone who's been everywhere. Let, letting yourself, opening yourself up to people, especially a crew like this, you'll find a strength you never knew you had. Cute. I can't believe she had sisters and she never told me. Maybe she's the jealous type. It's very unattractive. I'm just gonna turn and walk away. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So huh. alright. Ekoto joins the rest of the group. Okay. So you guys all move back over to this figure at the table. What do you say? Fivey addresses Jasper and says, We agree to your terms. So they pull their feet down off the table. Well, I can't tell you how glad I am to hear that. Now that we're working together, I have to be honest. There is a third reason that I was willing to have this nice little sit-down chat. There's always another reason. See, I almost missed it. And I think just watching that vid of the tram, I will have. And they kind of look around at everybody. I almost didn't recognize you until this popped up. And they raise their hand and a hologram appears. And it's a picture of two Lashuntas Oh. And a young soul. Soul is gray-skinned, kind of a middle gray, and just all of the color immediately drains from their face. And they lunge to grab his wrist. Where did you get this? They just kind of look down at you grabbing them. and Facebook? Well, I'd say it's all <laughs> over the place now, but... No? They reach up with the other hand that you're not grabbing and they pull off their gas mask or at least the top half of the gas mask comes free to reveal a human face and there's these piercing blue eyes and pale skin and their mid-length chestnut hair curls down 
And you also see that the breathing apparatus of their mask appears to be affixed to their face, replacing their mouth, nose, and jaw. Even so, Sol, it's hard not to remember those eyes from long ago, from the days on the streets and the brass enigma. You see Ashen, the young boy who had your back and whom you left behind to run with the Solarians. Soul is just mouth moving, but nothing coming out. Welcome back to the fold, T. No. T? No. You two are acquainted. Soul just kind of stumbles back. Um, part, I guess part catches them as they stumble. Sits back up. Where did you get the picture? I need to know. Like I said, it's a bit out there now. I'm guessing that it got scrubbed off something you had, and now I found it tracking around in the mercenary corps circle. I found it a few other places. It's around. Yeah, Scriff would meant to tell you uh, when when you got hacked, uh, it kind of went out everywhere. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Oh man. <laughs> there wasn't anything we could do about it. Didn't think it was that important. Not even listening, Soul pulls out their data pad and starts like scrolling through contacts and like hits Vin's comms number. And just like, come on, pick up. Come on. Why is it not? And just starts trying desperately to contact people in their contacts. And of course it doesn't go through because of the storm and they just start swearing and they like throw the data pad across the room and drop down, clutching their head. 5e, their heart is just going. Their heart is racing. And then after just a moment of near freak out, they pop back up and rush to the data pad and grab it back up and are like, God damn it, work, just fucking, and just trying to push a signal through. 5e walks over to Sol, puts one hand over theirs that's touching the data pad. Pull it away. This exercise in frustration is futile. A waste of energy. I have to warn them. You will not be able to do it from here. The storms are providing too much interference. But if we can access the communications apparatus in that tower, perhaps we can get a message out. The faster we accomplish this objective, the faster we can ascertain the safety of whoever it is you're concerned about. Whisker, can't you... Can't you push something through? Can't... You're good at the, You can work with these damn technology things. Can't you do it? I need a stronger signal if I'm going to get through this storm. Then what is the point of you? And they just grab what? their head and start pacing. I'm sorry. I... Script didn't know that it was that important. I will do what I can to help you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I just... This was not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to happen. And they'll turn. Ashwin, how do we get up there? Well, I laid out more or less the plan. The plan is attack this tower, get up top. If that means you get to some communications array to deal with this picture and whatever it means, then the sooner the better, but... And they look at every one of you. I have to say, you all look like shit. So, I feel like it could wait maybe a day, but 
We're going to need some gear if we're going to do this. Yes, we'll need access to a workshop. Weapons. They nod their head a few times. I think we can make something happen. And they put their hands on the table and stand up. So they walk over to the wall and it's got the wheels on it and they turn them in several different directions until you guys hear a large and they pull back the wall as it swings open and you see several metal cables that stretch across and they look back as they reach out and grab one with a hand. Well, why don't we go downstairs and we'll sort it all out. And they grab onto the cable and they start sliding down. Nice. The elevator must have been out. (laughs) And Pons will go over there and super slowly descend. Like you could just see his knees (laughs) and then the waist (laughs) and then the shoulders. (laughs) It is awkward because Pons should go last so we can get down. They are so slow. It is. Please tell me Pons is playing elevator music out of his boombox. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Whisker walks up to the shaft and looks down. How how far is it? This reaches far down into the distance. It turns dark before you see the ending. Okay, perfect, because that means that I probably have a move action that I can use while I'm jumping down. Whisker just free falls down, and as they're dropping down, Gear Array summon Jetpack to stop yes! the fall at the end. Yes! What the heck? <laughs> that is cool, but isn't Jeff at the bottom? <laughs> yeah, so you get to the I bottom. They land at about the same time as you, and they look over, give you a little nod, and they're like, I like the style. Five jumps into the shaft, grabbing onto the elevator cable with his arm appendages, wrapping his legs around the bottom of the cable, and starts to slide down, leaving a cloud of sparks behind him. And as he gets near the bottom, <laughs> fires off his mag boots to hold him in place on the cable to stabilize himself and drops off. Fireman style. I love it. Badass. Yeah, I think Kota will just, uh, like, you know, just use her wings to float down the shaft. So it just steps off and kind of free falls and will hit defy gravity every so often until they just kind of drop off, but there's no, like, flash or flare. Or... How also steps off, does my Ronnie get... Yeah, oh, shit. Marani as well, yes. Yeah, I'm here too. I can also <laughs> fly, I just didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, check this out. No, my one is already at the bottom and no one yeah. has really gone yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The there. Ronnie presses the elevator button. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here the you whole could have time. just done this, King. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, power and my one come down in the elevator, just like swear with me. Just an awkward moment. Bonds is like, oh, the elevator was working. It was just one floor above. It was. It was actually. Fine. You hear this like really awkwardly conflicting elevator music now happening. Step out of the elevator. And uh, Pons is going to take that time to write a note, and then once he gets to the bottom, places it to the uh, guy's hands. Jasper's. Yeah. Okay. They look down at it. Okay. It just asks, "What do you know about the Thastron leak that seems to be increasing recently?" I don't know if there's time, but I'd like to know more. Fair enough. They tilt their head curiously, and I say to you, I'm sure we'll have a few minutes before things get wild around here. I'll let you know what I found. 
and they go to this wall, which is essentially a safe door, and they bang on it a few times, and you hear this turning of a wheel from the other side, and then as it's pulled open. And you look into this room as the door moves away, and you see this large group of people, more than 30, all dressed in a very similar manner to Jasper. All of them have weapons raised at you guys. And Jasper takes a step forward and says, It's all right. They're with me now. And together, we're going to take this planet back. And we'll see you in the next chapter of the Emergency yeah! Power yeah! When life drains you down, charge up on the Emergency Power Network. Theme song triangles by Diamond Ace. Find them at bandcamp.com. Music provided by Nicholas Judy of Dark Fantasy Studio at darkfantasystudio.com and Tabletop Audio. Find them at tabletopaudio.com as well as Carl Casey of White Bat Audio. Find them at whitebataudio.com. Font Azonix by Mixo. Find them on Twitter at MixoFX. The Starfinder role-playing game, including its official lore and images, are the intellectual property of Paizo Incorporated, all rights reserved. Narrated by Danny Lee Collins.